Hello, and welcome to episode eight of the Hello Body podcast with your hosts, Melissa Saccolario and myself, Katie Weber. In this episode, we interview Susan Ports. Susan is a registered dietitian who is passionate about helping women find food freedom through intuitive eating and a help at every size perspective. She works with clients virtually to help them heal their relationship with food and their body. Susan's goal is to help women stop worrying about food and their bodies so they can live their lives with more joy and find their true purpose in life. We talk about Susan's history with disordered eating and how she discovered intuitive eating and transitioned away from a weight-centric approach to health and nutrition with her clients and in her own life. We also talk about how she and Melissa support their clients when their doctors have told them that they have to lose weight. We talk about the many trials and tribulations of getting weighed at the doctor's office. And Melissa and I asked Susan what's really got her fired up these days about diet culture. And I tell you, we all get really fired up. It's great. Um, So I hope you enjoy. If you would like to follow Susan on Instagram, you can find her at guilt.free.eating. And head on over to Facebook, where you can join her free community, guilt-free eating community for women. All right, so sit back and enjoy the episode. Thank you for being here and taking time Um, to schedule. So where are you joining us from? What part of the country are you in? I am in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Oh my God, that's so far away. Is it cold there? Oh my gosh, it's so cold. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, so I, my husband and I are both from here. We both grew up here and our family's here. And that's obvious, like, that's why we live here. We want to live close to our family. But I think we really belong in warmer climates. Neither of us really likes winter. Um, and I'm telling you, it's like cold and rainy today. And we live in southern Wisconsin, but northern Wisconsin got like five or six inches of snow earlier this week. Oh, no, and, no. oh my goodness. I know. I'm like, I, I like, it's like a joke here, but like literally we will not move any farther north. <laughs> we live in like pretty far <laughs> southern Wisconsin, <laughs> but like, that's why. <laughs> no, I never survived. We actually got a beautiful fall day here. Me, both Katie and I, we live um, in upstate New York and it's like 70 degrees right oh, now. I'm so jealous. I was, I know. I couldn't believe it. I was like walking in a tank top today. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was like, had all these layers and kept that stripping sounds, them off. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It was, I would say it was actually pretty nice here up until maybe the last week or so. So I probably shouldn't complain too much. It just feels early, you know? Well, I feel like we get your weather like three days after you. <laughs> right? I, yeah, no, I think you're kind of right. So sorry if it's rainy yeah. and cold in a few days. <laughs> That's okay. I'm originally from Toronto, so I have like no patience for people complaining about the weather. <laughs> Especially since moving to the U.S. where everybody's always like, blame Canada for the, all the weather. <laughs> I, no, that's not true, Katie. I just blame Canada for bad drivers. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
But I feel like I feel like Wisconsin, Michigan, you guys are honorary Canadians up there. <laughs> oh, it's I don't know. I like I think like I said, like we don't live in northern Wisconsin, but if you start to get to northern Wisconsin, it's very much so I would it has to be very close to like Canadian weather. It's <laughs> Oh. You see Wisconsin, all I think of is that cartoon when I was a kid, uh, Bobby's World. <laughs> oh, don't you know, Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a fun accent. My husband uh, works for like a newspaper company, and they have a company out there, and they have some fun accents when he does his conference calls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's our Midwestern just nasally tone. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, why don't we jump right into it? And why don't you tell us how you came to be a dietitian? Because I feel like for a lot of dietitians or people at least working in wellness or fitness or nutrition, they usually have some type of um, personal related reason for going into nutrition. If not, maybe it'll be a fun story for us. <laughs> it is kind of an interesting story. Um, I, so honestly, I, I would think when I graduated high school, like I never even heard of a dietitian, um, which is crazy when I think about it now, but, um, I just knew that I wanted to help people and I, once I started like researching different careers, I realized that I was actually really interested in nutrition and like hindsight, just the more I think back on like growing up, like I was always way more interested in like nutrition, like when we we're talking about it in health class and science classes. And um, I think that I was lucky enough just living in a smaller body that I wasn't as impacted by diet culture, but I had friends that were. And I just remember when we were younger, like some of my friends dieting and thinking like, oh my God, like some of them like just like were starving their bodies. And I remember recognizing that that wasn't right. But obviously at the time I was so young and didn't know the answer to that. So um, I think once I, I almost feel like I kind of just landed in nutrition then. <laughs> Um, and I started taking the classes and learning more about it and realized that that was the right space for me. Um, so you started out as a, like your freshman year in college, you were a nutrition major right off the bat? No, <laughs> I was actually a business major. So I, yeah, I thought I wanted to help people and, but business was like all that I knew. Um, that's like what I learned about in high school. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I was like good at it. Um, but I just didn't really like it. And I took my first econ class and I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> um, it was too boring. I didn't like it. And yeah. So, um, after my first semester, then I transitioned, um, into being a nutrition major and, um, I actually completely, like I transferred schools and everything. Um, oh, wow. yeah, it was a lot. I don't know that I would recommend transferring at semester again, but you know, it worked out. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, but once I transitioned, then I kind of just, I felt like I kind of fell into my space and um, I like, it just felt right. I don't, that's, that seems like a weird way to describe it, but. 
So how how many years out are you from your undergrad? I'm just curious. That is, I am eight years out from it. So I'm, you know, I'm well past that mark. I think I'm celebrating like by 20 years since my experience uh, with nutrition education. And mine was very weight centric focused. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering how your experience was because we, um, we just had our last interview was with um, Jenna Corsi and she talked mm. about how, um, you know, when you go through your undergrad education, you become almost more obsessed with nutrition because you're learning all about it. And then you have that weight uh, centric focus. So I'm just wondering with it not being as far you know, removed for you if you had a better experience with that weight component um, and how it affected you? So I think that I, I, I do think that my education was very weight centric. Um, I think that I came out of school and definitely way more like hyper aware of nutrition and more conscious of things. The interesting thing enough, I think that my experience with nutrition became like, I became a lot more hyper vigilant about it the more I got into my career. Um, But I can address that more later. The schooling piece of it, I really do feel like my education was um, very weight centric. Um, just looking back on it now, like I don't, I was never introduced to intuitive eating or health at every size in my undergrad. I wasn't even introduced to that in my master's program. Um, yeah, I, unless for some reason it was introduced and I just completely missed it, but I was never introduced to any of those concepts. And, um, for me, once I kind of got into practice and maybe this is leading into your next question, but Um, so when I became a dietitian, I felt like I was, I practiced from a very weight centered standpoint, because that is what I was taught, um, that everything was about weight and that that's what we were here to do as dietitians was, you know, to help people lose weight. And, um, as I started practicing, like I kind of, like there was two things that were happening for me. Um, one was, I was just feeling like this wasn't working, um, like I would be working with patients and I would just like, it just didn't feel right. Like they're coming in and they're, you know, they tried all the different diets and they would appear like, you know, they're doing all the quote unquote textbook things that were taught that people should do. Um, yet they weren't losing weight the way the textbook teaches us that that's what's supposed to happen. Um, and so for me, like that was really frustrating because it felt very like, I was taught one way and yet that's not working. Um, And then I was also seeing like just the effects of like dieting um, and what that was doing to people. And then the other, I guess, flip side of it is then like my personal experience then just from like, like becoming a dietitian. And then once I got into the field and I really started working in it and I was like, it, I didn't start out as an outpatient dietitian. I, I kind of gradually grew into that. But once I became more of an outpatient dietitian, um, I like just how much I was talking about food every day and all the things that I was educating. I, I would say that's when I started to fall more into like the diet culture realm for a while. Um, thinking more about like clean eating and all of that kind of stuff. 
Um, but the entire time all of this is happening, it's kind of happening simultaneously. Like I'm noticing like this isn't working for my patients. And then like, but then like, I'm like worried about food all the time, you know, and trying to just like cook everything from scratch and all that other stuff. And, but then I'm like, like the whole time I'm like, this just doesn't make any sense. This doesn't feel right. Um, so yeah, I would say my experience probably was kind of similar to Jenna's. Katie, got anything to add there? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm curious, like what, when, when was your sort of aha moment when you sort of realized that, uh, working within this weight loss paradigm wasn't the sort of the focus or, you know, wasn't the kind of definition of health. What was your, what brought you to intuitive eating as a practice? So, um, actually I have one of my, uh, friends from college as a dietitian and, we like all got together for a weekend, a group of us. And, um, she had read intuitive eating and we were just, we were all just sitting there. We we're all talking about, we all graduated at the same time. And so we're all, and we're all in the field. We're all working dietitians and we're talking about our experiences and talking about like the frustrations that we're having. Um, I, I would like, as I would label it now is about the weight centric paradigm and just about like working from a weight um, loss perspective, just talking about how that like wasn't fulfilling and it wasn't happening. And so my friend suggested reading intuitive eating and cause she had just started it. So like that next week I, uh, went and I like rented it from the library and I started reading it. And my husband would tell you to this day that like, as I was reading it, I was like, I was like sitting on the couch in the living room being like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> like like this like this makes so much more sense to me um and it it was literally I read the book and then from there it spilled over into I read health at every size and book after book after book and it just like solidified that that made so much more sense um and that that was what health was really about and it wasn't all about weight so then, yeah. you know, when you're reading these books, it, you're practicing at this point as an outpatient dietitian in pro what, like a weight loss setting? Is that what, you know, people were coming to see you for at that point? Yes. So um, I definitely had, I was working in a variety of like settings, but primarily in a cardiology clinic, which is um, focusing on weight, of course, and mm -hmm. getting a lot of patients just coming to me, just like referred for weight management and weight loss. Um, so I, this learning about all this definitely, like, as I'm reading it, I was shifting my counseling perspectives and shifting like how I was talking to people. Um, but it, it, it became harder and harder. Um, I think to continue um, to have people like coming and wanting to like focus on weight and then trying to get them to shift their perspective. I don't know if that's kind of um, what you guys have experienced too. I feel like well, once I've talked you... in the past. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Keith. I was just going to say, I talked in the past about how like my own experience with reading both health at every size and intuitive eating and and reading them and having that same experience of being like yeah like just feeling like it was so 
revolutionary to anything I had heard and wondering like, why has nobody told me this stuff before? Like, yes. why am I, is this the first time I'm learning about this? But at the same time, feeling like there's some way I ha can use this to still lose weight. You know, like it mm. was, it was like a whole other, you know, process much later on after even reading those books and even practicing intuitive eating that I had to sort of really let go of the fact that if I can figure out all of my issues and if I can really like have this relaxed relationship with food, then I will figure out, you know, how to lose weight and be happy and everything else, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and of course the opposite happened. And, and that's, you know, that was a, having to come to grips with the fact that like, okay, now this is, now is the time that we really think about health and what is health and am I doing everything quote unquote right? And am I doing everything that I'm, I'm meant to be doing? Then that's all I can ask of myself, you know? Mm -hmm. But I feel like it was a definitely like multi-step process, not just discovering intuitive eating, but really having to let go of the fact that someday I was going to figure it all out and I was going to have the dream body and everything was going to be perfect. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, but I think, like, I think just the whole process just, um, like, I think it takes time. And oh, yeah. like you said, like, you're just recognizing that, it, and, and I think too, just like from my, like, I, I think, like I had mentioned initially, like, I think I wasn't as directly impacted by diet culture as like some other people have been. Um, so maybe like that impacted my experience when I read intuitive eating as well. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like diet culture and just being, you know, being, being trapped in the yo-yo cycle of dieting just makes you feel like such a failure. I mean, that's what diet culture is trying to do. Make you feel like mm -hmm. you're bad at, at keeping at it and you've lost your willpower and therefore you need to try some new diet. That's going to finally be the answer to everything. You know, like it, it perpetuates this sense of, of failure that um, I think, you know, people seeking help come in with that sense of like, I someday I'm going to find the answer and to really kind of let go of that idea that there really is an answer. Right. I think it's, it's really difficult. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that, that, and I, those are things that I see in my clients now too. It's just like that, like still thinking and actually as we're like having this conversation, I remember having a conversation with my friend that introduced me to intuitive eating that we're now both like intuitive eating health at every size dietitians. Um, but I, I remember like us having a conversation at one point, like, and you know, she just brought up to me, she was like, like at some point, are we going to like wake up and like, people are going to be like, duh, this is not how it works. And um, I was like, I was like, I mean, like, like she's, I was like, I see why you're saying that, um, because of how we were taught, like, and it takes so much to undo all of like that education and the diet culture and stuff like that. But I was like, but I truly don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I was like, this is yeah. evidence-based. Well, this is, I have a question for both of you, actually, um, as both of you being registered dietitians. I imagine it must be very, very frustrating to deal with clients who have gone to physicians, who've gone to their GPs and their, their doctors have told them that they need to lose weight. And, you know, we know that we know doctors don't say, 
change lifestyle habits or, you know, practice intuitive eating, they say lose weight, you know, and that, so they sort of reinforce this desperation in, in most clients that that has to be the end all be all if they want to get healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and so then you end up with them after a doctor has told them this, like, what, what do you do in that situation with clients? Um, I can, I'll, so I'll just go ahead and chime in and Melissa, you can feel free to jump in wherever, but, um, I, so that is really frustrating. Um, and because then it it does two things, exactly what you just said, it perpetuates the cycle. It encourages people to, um, go and find that quick fix. I mean, I've had patients come to me and say that, you know, their doctor told them they needed to lose X amount of pounds before they come back for their next follow-up visit in, you know, three, six months. And, you know, then they refer them to me, which is, you know, I'm thankful that they're referring them to me, but what's happening to the people that aren't being referred to me, they're just going to look for another quick fix so they can please the doctor, lose the weight um, in that specific amount of time. But like, that's, whatever they're trying is not working. Usually it's not sustainable. We all know that. Like that's it, you know, they're doing the quick fixes and they're feeling restricted and then they're overeating and it just continually perpetuates that cycle. And, um, what I do when they come into my office and they just say like, Oh, the doctor said I need to lose weight is I tell them, well, that's, you know, that's their opinion. I asked them what they came for, because obviously they made the decision to like meet with the dietitian. Um, and then I also then tell them, but we're not going to focus on your weight. And I say like, we're going to focus on, um, you know, behaviors because that's really what it's about. I don't, Melissa, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, if a doctor is a person saying that, you know, it just, for me, one, I get angry first um, because it really is just perpetuating fat phobia. And, um, you know, it's an, it's an uphill battle because when that exists, a lot of things are occurring, especially for the, for the patient who feels like, well, my, the only version of health right now is to exist in a smaller body than the one that they have and weight loss for, you know, 95% of people is not possible. You know, there are the 5% that lose weight and keep it off, but they're basically unicorns. Um, So for the person that can, you know, implement actual health promoting behaviors, whether it be exercising, whether it be changing their diet, whether it be managing their stress, whether it be, you know, committing to a sleep schedule, if they don't lose weight, after implementing all those behaviors and actually improve their health, when they go back to their doctor at that three month mark, when the doctor's like, I wanted you to lose this amount of weight. And what did you do? You did nothing before they even asked them. Mm -hmm. That person's like, well, shit, I'm not going to keep doing all these things if I'm not, you know, healthy, according to my doctor, who, by the way, has had 14 hours of nutrition training and (laughs) is telling me to lose weight because that's how I'm going to be healthy. And, you know, it really just misses the mark altogether on promoting wellness for people. And uh, it just, it leaves a person in a situation where 
the positive changes that they make are meaningless unless they lose weight. And that's really unfortunate. And that's what gets me angry because, you know, and, and, you know, being in this position where, you know, I'm a dietitian selling, you know, I'm not selling the weight loss illusion. I'm selling health. Um, <clears throat> I'm selling wellness. And unfortunately for a lot of people, they don't want that. They want weight loss. And it is very frustrating, um, you know, for me, because I want to see people get healthy, but most people really just want to lose weight because it comes down to being accepted in society, you know, being accepted at your doctor's office without question because of your body size. It's not truly about health. It's truly about your presentation in this world. And that, that is what bothers me. Yeah. yeah, And I think that that's where intuitive eating and health at every size start to intersect and overlap with the social justice aspect of size, you know, size discrimination and, and weight stigma and all of that. And because it's true. I mean, you can't win with a doctor. Like, you know, if a doctor, assuming a doctor tells a patient to lose weight because of some other health marker that, that they're looking at with blood work, you know, um, and the patient goes away, changes some lifestyle habits, comes back, hasn't lost a pound, but has improved whatever health marker the doctor was concerned about in the first place, they will still experience the, what I get, which is blood works great. Everything looks great you need to lose weight, you know, mm-hmm. like the doctor will still, or whoever calls you, you know, you'll still get that spiel if you're not in the, if you're not within a certain BMI range. So it really like, it, it is an uphill battle for you guys, for sure. It, it definitely is. And it's super, it, it, it is super frustrating. I agree with everything Melissa was saying. Um, you can't see me nodding my head, but as long as <laughs> Um, it, it, it is very frustrating because everything is so based on exactly what you said. Like if they lost weight, then it's considered successful, but forget all the great habits that you changed that made you feel better physically and mentally. Um, it is super frustrating. Um, you know, today, you know, think about it on the flip side, like think about the person that is like, oh my God, I have three months to make this doctor happy and, you know, quote unquote, fix my health. But really, what are they going to turn around and do in order to achieve that weight loss? They're going Uh to restrict, they're going to, you know, start to become very obsessed with food. They're going to be, you know, over-consumed by food. They're going to be thinking about every everything they put in their mouth, how much they're exercising, just to create a movement on the scale so that when they do go to the doctor's office, rather than getting the lecture on their weight, <clears throat> they're going to engage in all these behaviors and habits that are actually truly detrimental to their health, and then they're going to be praised for it, <laughs> which, you know is, you know, it puts me besides myself, like, because if the person loses weight, then they're praised because they did what the doctor wanted, because that is how the doctor is gauging their health. Mm-hmm. And yes, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say like, if a person, you know, lose it, doesn't lose, if a person loses 5% of their weight or more, as we're, we're taught in school, like there are some benefits, you know, that can be seen in, you know, biomarkers, blood markers, things like that. So yes, you can see that, but if they're engaging in all these, you know, 
negative behaviors that impact their mental health state and make their relationship with food um, so much more damaging, like it's really not worth it because then they're going to have to deal with that for the rest of their life. And they're not going to sustain whatever loss that they had, even though they made the doctor happy for that one visit. Exactly. And I'll like, they might appear like they are quote unquote healthier based on a weight perspective from a, from the doctor's standpoint, but they are not mentally healthier. They, they are mentally unhealthier. And, um, I think that mental health is so undervalued in our society. I mean, I think people are, I think we're doing a lot of work, um, to promote it, but I think that like, being healthy from a mental standpoint and also understanding that there, there is so much more to your health than your weight. And, but if that's all you're focusing on, then you're almost becoming more unhealthy because you're just so focused on those numbers and your relationship with food becomes very poor and it just triggers this cascade of negative events. And yeah, and then right. it puts them also into the weight cycling, you know, mm-hmm. and that, you know, there's more and more research that's, you know, touting all the negative consequences of a person that's weight cycling. So like, if it is that person that lives in the larger body and knows that every year that they have their physical and say, you know, November, that they better start, you know, doing something about their body so that they don't get the lecture, they're putting themselves under more stress you know, just by going constantly up and down the scale to please somebody that, you know, basically. Right. And I think you bring up a good point. Like they, if they know this appointment is coming up, then they are trying to eat a specific way to make the outcome of the appointment better. But not only that, the people that are just avoiding the doctor's office altogether. Yeah. I was just going to say that. I was like, that's even if they go to the doctor in the first place. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy because, um, you know, I, when I was a child or, you know, adolescence, I was considered what, um, you know, the BMI scales is obese. And still to this day, even though I have, you know, found myself in a thin body after recovering from multiple eating disorders, um, I still have anxiety when I go to the doctor and I don't even get weight anymore. I, I tell them, you know, no, thank you. Or like if the nurse is really like persistent, I say, Oh no, thank you. I'm an eating disorder. Um, you know, I've recovered from an eating disorder. I don't do that. Like I make it very clear that I'm not going to weigh myself, but even though I'm not weighing myself, I still have that anxiety going to the doctor that I'm going to get the lecture. So that, you know, in itself just shows how truly like impactful that whole weighing situation can be and how it can, you know, really impact a person's view of getting medical attention, uh, even just going to the doctor. Because I'm not so, you know, if I had recovered in a larger body, I'm not too sure I'd be like going to the doctor as regular as I go. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And just as you were talking about that, I was thinking about too, like how often you are weighed in the healthcare system. You know, it's, it's every time you go, you walk into a healthcare facility. It's not just, you know, the doctor's appointment. It's if you go see the dietitian, if you go to a therapy, um, like a physical therapy appointment and, um, and all these times that people are weighed. And I just think like, what is the point of that? Like, how is that number on the scale impacting 
your treatment that you're providing today? Or even just, you know, is it worth it? You know, like for instance, right. there are certain patients who you might need to, if you're, if you're worried, you know, if they have a certain type of illness, but for the most right. part, it's done because it's the easiest, quickest way of getting one of your three mandatory health markers. Right. Yeah. So, but given the fact that it can be so problematic for so many people, like, is it really worth it? And, and you know, I would, I feel like healthcare providers should take that into consideration just in general, you know, like this is going to, this could be potentially traumatic. So let's skip it (laughs) as opposed to like that weird eye roll you always get from the nurse when it's, she's like, okay. Oh yeah. The nurse, every time, every time she's like, oh, you're one of those. (laughs) Like, yes, I'm one of those. You're not weighing me today. Thank you. Goodbye. So, yeah. So we talked a little bit about, you know, getting fired up about the scale in the doctor's office, but is there anything right now um, with diet culture that we exist in that doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon? Um, I was listening to another podcast. I think it was uh, Drunk Dietitians with uh, Sammy Privet and, uh, and Jen, I can't remember Jenna's last name, but Jenna Warner. And they had Evelyn Triboli on and they quoted the diet industry being now worth somewhat like $300 million, or million because they're including um, medical care in there, in that number now. Because, you know, like if you think about it, like bariatric surgery, that's part of the, you know, part of diet culture, but it's also part of our medical system. So like that number is growing. It doesn't seem like diet culture is going anywhere anytime soon. So that being said, is there any one part of diet culture that has really got you fired up or really annoying you lately that you're, you know, dedicating your reels to it or you're dedicating posts to it more than probably another topic, anything specific, or is it just everything? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it literally is everything. (laughs) It gets me fired up. I feel like I, I, I don't know if this happens to you guys, but it's like, I see something and I can just feel that pit in my stomach where I just like instantly my anxiety and blood pressure start to rise because I'm just so angry and <laughs> every like daily news article about Rebel Wilson. Oh gosh. Uh, I think um that would be my answer. The Rebel Wilson year of hell. That's so true. All all of yes. And I would say, like, if I was going to, like, pinpoint something right now that I'm like, could this just be over? It's the whole low carb craze. Like, keto, I've just, like, had enough of it. Like, but the thing is, like, I don't really think it's going anywhere. People think that it works. Um, And... I just, yeah, I've had enough of it. Like why are, like when we are demonizing like fruit, I'm like, really people? (laughs) I know, right? But yeah, I feel like there's like five basic diets that we cycle through as a society because obviously they work and then they stop working because they're diets. And so then when they stop working, everyone like, what, what, what do we do now? Keto? Okay, let's go there and let's do that. And then, Uh you know, it has a, it has an expiry date, but it's really just the same like five diets over and over again. Yeah, it seriously. And I, I said that to someone the other day and I said, you know, like keto is just repackaged Atkins. Right. And they just like looked at me like they were shocked. And I was like, really? It is. (laughs) It is. The truth does hurt. It does. (laughs) Yeah. Like, 
I'm like, the only difference is that keto is actually like a medical diet that was meant for um, people with epilepsy, not for people to use it as weight loss, but they needed a new name for Atkins. So it was brain tiny. And they needed a way to sell ketones, you know, hey. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, how can we sell this? Oh, I know. Right. Let's use this diet that these little kids with epilepsy need. And that'll be perfect. It'll be all science based. So like they can't can't say it's not true. Okay. Yes, <laughs> I feel like keto I feel like keto like has contributed to the abundance of cauliflower rice everywhere. Mm. <laughs> like oh. so sick of cauliflower rice. Listen, there's nothing wrong with cauliflower rice if you like it. But don't what? tell me cauliflower rice is the same thing as white rice cuz it's not. That's it doesn't true. taste the same. I don't know who you're kidding. You know, we I try I remember years ago when they I it must have been probably the very beginning of the keto diet and I had a recipe for this like cauliflower crust pizza dough and I don't even think it was it wasn't about like at that point like yeah I I did diet and everything but at that point I don't think I was actually dieting I think I was just trying new recipes because I'm a foodie I like food so I was like oh I like cauliflower I like pizza let's see how this tastes and let me try it out on my husband <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it was horrible it was just like a blob of fat like covered in cheese and it made no sense and people are out there like oh you really need to replace that beautiful delicious pizza with dough with this cauliflower crap and i'm just like really no <laughs> no that's where no. i draw the line I I had someone the other day that was like telling me that they like did like the cauliflower mashed potatoes kind of thing. And I was like, but you can eat real potatoes, you know, <laughs> like, like you don't have to eat the cauliflower version. I mean, if you really like it, that's great. But no, it's not. Yeah. It's one thing to consider, like if you're trying to find ways to like enhance your diet or get in more vegetables, like. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can use some of these kind of diet endorsed methods to increase your nutrition, but then it comes down to intention and why you're doing that thing. Um, and are you withholding um, all the delicious flavors and textures and variety that it is available to you in this wonderful food system we live in, um, you know, just because you think that's what you should be doing to fit a certain, you know, gene size or weight, or, you know, are you really truly enjoying the food you're eating? And what's the intention for you choosing that food? Exactly. You nailed it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I I don't know what happened. I like flipped a switch and all of a sudden I'm like on the pulpit here. (laughs) I love it. Must have been the the doctor got me all fired up. I know, right? (laughs) I I imagine it must be, I can't even imagine how frustrating it must be to have, you know, to have this, to have so much nutritional background and knowledge. And then to realize that like so many people are getting nutritional advice from, from, like you said, a doctor who has 15, how many hours, one hour, two hours. Or worse, an influencer or somebody online that, you know, went through their own journey, which is great. Good for you. But you're going to tell like the two million people that follow you to not eat a slice of bread ever again in their life. And, you know, it's just it's shitty. Yeah, it totally is. I think you're nailed it again. (laughs) 
So uh, that's what's clearly bothering me about diet culture are these little teeny boppers that are, um, you know, telling people how to eat and what's the best way to eat to get their, you know, beautiful peach shaped ass when really that's just their genetics and God bless them. They have beautiful butts, but it has nothing to do with their diet. And if I eat the same diet, my ass ain't going to look like theirs. Gravity has taken hold. preach that was good you know it's just it's sad because you know i know that now after 20 years of fucking hell with eating and body image issues but like a lot of people don't they just think oh that's what i have to do and then they go and do it and it doesn't work and they feel like a failure they feel like crap about the body they have the one body that they have to live in for the rest of their life and they don't respect it they're constantly you know mistreating their body and feeling like crap and not living their best life just because of the foods they eat and the body that they they own and it's it's sad it really is. And I just wish people would, you know, let go of the idea that their body needs to look a certain way to be healthy or that it even needs to just look a certain way to exist. And it's hard. It's really hard to do. And, you know, it's uncomfortable to try to take on the anti-diet and intuitive eating way. But I can tell people that it's probably the most, um, what's the word, fulfilling and best thing I ever did for myself. Um, And I'm sure you probably feel the same way, Susan, you know, when you hear your clients, you know, seeing them go through their journey of coming, coming to you from the dieting world and not feeling so great to how they're feeling after. Yeah, it is. It's a pretty incredible journey, I think, to just be a part of, to help support people and get them to that other place where they realize that they don't have to worry about food all the time, that they can be healthy without having to, you know, track every little thing that they eat and, you know, exercise insane amounts. Like it it really is like one of the coolest things. So along that lines, I just want to uh, ask one more probably question of you is like right now with all your clients, um, you know, working on intuitive eating and breaking up with diets and, and diet culture, do you see any one specific struggle that people are, are dealing with? You know, because I find that people are affected by what's going on, you know, in the world. And it seems like at the same time, everybody's struggling with the same thing. So are you seeing any one trend with your clients and, uh, you know, anything? I think um, the biggest thing that I'm seeing right now is everyone feels like this is when they're like first maybe like coming to me, but they feel like they're really struggling with like the pandemic. Um, and people's like lifestyles really being different, whether that means like that they're working from home more and then that makes them feel out of control because they all of a sudden have, feel like they have all this access to food that they never had before when they were like physically going into work. Um, so it, it seems like those types of things seem to be really bothering people is that like change in routine. And the interesting thing is like, this has been going on for like, you know, seven, eight months now, um, but it's, 
still like that change and that like ever evolving just seems to really still be impacting people. But um, I think a huge part of that just comes from like when we're first working together, they are still like, they want to get away from that feeling, but they still have that dieting mindset and feeling like they can't eat foods um, that they want to eat and that they shouldn't be allowed to just eat, you know, when they're hungry. Um, so working through those things, I think makes a really big difference. Awesome. Yeah, you had a post recently about shitting all over yourself. I love one of my favorite. <laughs> that was one today. of my favorite <laughs> phrases. Was that today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that where you're like, stop shitting on yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's. I think it's probably much more pronounced when being at home and feeling like there's a, you know, there's a certain way to to successfully navigate what we're going through and nobody has any idea what we're doing right now and and that feeling is so pronounced I think more so than usual like that we have no idea what we're doing we have no idea what's coming we have no idea how long this is like there's just so many variables that are unknown right now which can send everyone's anxiety through the roof yeah definitely all right, Susan. So we've kept yeah. you for quite a bit, and we know you have busy uh, schedule and clients I, to get Will, to. Is that Willa in the background? Oh my gosh, she will not stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> my husband isn't it's home, okay. and I I had like a client before you guys, and she just literally has been running around the house barking for over oh. an hour. <laughs> well, we'll we'll have to mention her as a our co-host in the yes, seriously. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Okay. Um, I have to. Oh, yeah. Before we finish, I have to say I love your reels and I love your dedication to Taylor Swift and Instinct in your reels. Well. I am also Thank a you. huge. I'm a Taylor Swift fan. I love Tata, and uh, so I always love when you use her songs. Oh well, I will be continuing to use her. I'm always perusing and trying to come up with ideas. So tell our listeners how they can work with you and what's the best way to contact you. Um, I think the easiest way to just find me is find me on Instagram. My handle is guilt.free.eating. And if you find me on there, you can just reach out to me over, over DM. Um, and we can just chat. That is honestly, that's just the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, I do have a website, but just go to Instagram. You can find all those fun videos of me doing crazy things to InSync and Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> And now is it just one-on-one coaching that you're doing or are you doing group coaching too? I am doing group coaching. I just launched my first group on Tuesday. So, awesome. um, yes, I'm going to have something coming up for Black Friday. So I'll be releasing more about that, but probably not for quite a few weeks yet. Um, but yes, I just lost my first, launched my first group. So I'm doing group and one-on-one. Um, I'll be taking a few one-on-one clients over the next few weeks. Um, Excellent. So if you're looking for that, head on over to my Instagram and DM me. Yeah, go check her out. And you'll get plenty of uh, <laughs> plenty of uh, Willa as well. Oh, her. gosh, yes. <laughs> She's adorable. I love her. She's so cute. Well, thank you. And there you have it. So thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps our podcast 
get found by new listeners in search bars and stuff like that. Uh, so anything you can do to help increase awareness of the Hello Body podcast, we super appreciate it. And of course, if you have any topics you would like us to cover, or if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, you can reach out to us by email at hellobodypodcast at gmail.com. Or you could reach out to myself or Melissa on Instagram, either at Hello Body Podcast Instagram account, or Melissa is at shame.less.nutrition, and I am at Worth It With Katie, K A T Y. All right, well, have a great week, and we will see you soon.